Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. This episode is brought to you by the GSD Academy. This step-by-step business productivity online program will share with you exactly how to shift your mindset, set boundaries, build rock-solid processes, customize your message in order to strategically grow your revenues and get shit done. Visit AngelaProfit.com slash GSD Academy. Hi, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And I'm so, so excited for our guest today because I have known her for years and years and years. We both were in the creative community together. She had an amazing, amazing business and she was an awesome speaker. And so every time that I would go to any type of conference, usually I would be speaking, but even if I was attending, I always went to her sessions and learned all kinds of awesome things. And so she's got 30 years, probably over 30 years now. But don't, you know, no, we're not saying over 30. And actually, I think I backed it up to 28. Okay. So I have 28 years in the business. But to me, I'm like, I love getting more experience because we have more life and business experience. And then people actually start to like listen and implement. And oh, so I don't for- mind the experience part. It's the age, like, oh, oh shit, she's old. You are not. You are experienced. I mean, Experience. You yeah. are beautiful on the uh, outside and the inside, and age uh, just number. <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. You know? well, but you that was a been... nice introduction. But yes. I must say, I'm so excited to see what you've been doing. So this is good. I, you know, we're gonna have fun chit chatting today. We are, but I love what you have done because a few years ago you really pivoted mm-hmm. and you really wanted to help businesses like get on a better path. And like when I say a better path to success, it's not just more events and more luxury and how many more high-end clients can we work with? It was more about being a business leader, which I'm constantly preaching to people yeah. that you can do your passion and yes, you can make money. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't know how to run a business, like you might as well either A, learn or B, stop. That's right. So <laughs> that's what and I'm- You know what? The best advice I ever had was from my um, father. What and he, he, had, he had said to me, um, I think we were about four, four or five years into the business. And he said, Meryl, I want you to always remember- that you're running a business first mm-hmm. and then an event planning catering company. Yep. You're running a business first. And that stuck with me because, yeah, there to run a business, you need to think about profits and you need to yep. think about expenses and you need to think about the 401ks and everything else. 
And, and I think that so many people in our business, they have a passion for what they do and they're really, really good at it, but they either push off the business side because they're too busy or they're giving it to somebody else that really doesn't know what to do. So I think that every business owner and team member needs to learn about the business. Yep. And I know you know that. Yeah. Well, for the first 10 years of business, I didn't know it because I was just like, this is pretty. Yeah, this is fun. (laughs) And like, oh my God, but I have no money. Money's in the bank, but like not the right kind of profit. So, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but before we jump in Mm -hmm. for our listeners that don't know where you came from, don't know where you started, don't know about your company now, take us back to where you, where did you grow up? I mean, y'all, Meryl owned this amazing catering company and now she owns Snow. We still have the the company. Um, But you're not working so much. I'm not. And I've stopped about, well, I'll start from the beginning. I'm from Philadelphia. You can tell from my Northeast accent. Yes. Uh, And I'm not saying y'all, but I think by the time we're finished, I will be saying (laughs) y'all. So uh, from Philadelphia and... um, I was in college and I met my husband. Well, not, yeah, he was my husband. It wasn't then, but I met my husband and we were always going to, after college, we were going to start a bunch of gourmet delis. Now, before, at that time, this is in the late 80s, there was no such thing as gourmet delis, right? So we thought, okay, this is going to be great. We'll we'll start with this one and then we'll just keep adding on <clears throat> because he his um, passion was in the restaurant business. And we thought, well, the, a deli is a great thing if we can really build up this artisan type thing. So we found a deli and it was maybe 20 minutes from our house. We borrowed, we put every cent we had, and then we borrowed some money from our parents and we were going to do this. And it was great. And we were all ready. And then the owner of the deli changed his mind and what? he said, well, the price has changed because of capital gains. And he raised it $25,000. And oh we my like, God. Oh my God. We don't have that kind of money. And we were devastated. And this is when I really learned things happen for a reason, because as devastated as we were, we turned it around and said, okay, what other type of businesses in this field that we can, we can do? And then at that time, catering businesses were, weren't really um, as they are now. I mean, they were like steam table food. It was like, uh, you know, I think caterers were the redheaded stepchild of mm-hmm. the hospitality industry. So we decided we were going to do that. So we did all our due diligence. We did research on everything. And we opened up our first catering, our catering company, festivities mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. So about a year or two, maybe three years into it, um, we were doing an event and I met with this client and we were doing this unbelievable tablescape. It was, we called it a buffet, but um, (laughs) (laughs) then um, now we call it tablescapes, but it was really, really just amazing. And I was all excited. We're at the event. I set the whole thing up. I'm stand back a little bit to take it all in. And then this florist comes in and she plops this God awful centerpiece right in the center of my beautiful table. 
Oh. Colors, everything. And I say, oh, no, 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 that doesn't go there. And the florist says, well, the bride ordered it. And I'm like, Ooh. what? And I said, but it doesn't really match. She says, I don't care. It's staying here because she paid for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's like, oh, I didn't. At that point, that's when I said, okay, we have got to do a design company. Yep. And then we opened up a design company within the year called Offshoots. So we we didn't want anybody to have control of our events like that. And that to me was like, it was the worst thing in the world that could have happened. So we started with the design and then we went into the personals and um, then, you know, we built into lighting. We didn't get into um, rentals though. Mm-hmm. And then maybe four or five years after that, we were dealing with some event planners. Now, event planners in those days mm-hmm. were these blue-haired old ladies that really did not do anything. <laughs> they didn't. And they were oh. such a pain in the ass. Yep. So we said, okay, we, we, we have to have complete control because we would do timelines. We would work all this out and then it would just go, you know, how, you know, how that event can go. Yeah, totally. And that's how we decided to, um, start the event planning company. Then in 2008, when the market crashed and it crashed and it devastated, Mm we, you know, I thought the 2008 was bad. I mean, COVID really topped this, but it are it has never happened that market crashing in my lifetime in business, and that was really really devastating. And we knew that we had to. I mean, I mean, you know, half of our business closed its doors. Of, yeah. uh, they couldn't have events. I mean, they were firing people and laying people off, and it, you know from, and this was in October, 2008, and all those holiday parties canceled. It was just pretty devastating. Yeah. So that's when, and, and you talk about the word pivot, which I hate the word pivot now, but we pivoted <laughs> all our careers pivoting. Yeah. And that's when we called up um, some catering companies, one in Boston, one in, in Denver, a couple Atlanta. And we, we had this conference call they were called conference calls then, you know, when you actually got <laughs> on the phone. And yeah. so, um, so we said, you know, all right, you guys, what are we going to do? We've mm-hmm. got to preempt this. We've got to stay alive. And that's yeah. when the Philadelphia's Picnic Company was born and mm-hmm. Boston's Picnic Company and Denver's Picnic Company. And then we sold, we sold it to each different um, cities. There's Atlanta, mm-hmm. there's New Jersey, there's Dallas. And um, we sold all of the, we said, look, you guys, we've done all the work. Here's all the, the websites. We just have to change it to your name. Here is all the paperwork. Here's all the menus. Here's everything. And you're ready to roll. So they yeah. can turn a picnic company like that. So that is my story in a nutshell. Wow. So, so in 2020, when some things hit, you're like, I got this because we've already had to pivot and right. we've this already. This was a harder pivot and I can't say we got yeah. this, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, now I don't, I, I pulled out of the company the day to day. My husband runs the company, but I pulled out maybe about eight or 10 years ago because mm-hmm. I love teaching and yep. I love, you know, I love watching companies grow and you know it and when they get excited about it and when they put their mind to it and 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 I think the biggest thing that I've learned and I'm trying to teach my clients is that you can't be 
hands-on. Like if you're a designer, you cannot be actually on-site designing. You have got to learn to delegate. And I and, and that's the only way a company is going to grow is when the leader can delegate and then follow up on it. Yep. And I think that when people do understand that, they can watch their business grow and have a quality of life. That's huge. Quality it of life exist. really it does exist in yep. our business. We just have to be, you know, you have to think of weekends are a little different. Yep. Yep. Totally. Right. So how did you choose snowstorm solutions when you stepped out of the day-to-day and you said, I'm going to teach, I'm going to do this consulting thing. And really, cause you have, I mean, you really, cause I've watched you like uh-huh. jump all in and grow and get help so many creative companies and do the data and, and do all the things. But Did you know when you stepped out the day-to-day, like, this is why I'm going to call it Snowstorm Solutions? Well, no, I, I, the name, it it was, I was always thinking it would just be my name. And then I thought, well, eventually my husband's going to be coming along with me. He's not going to be doing this forever. And Mm -hmm. he's got so much to add. So I said, oh my gosh, Andy, we would be a dynamic duo. And he goes, yeah, yep. like the storm. And I'm like, yes, snowstorm. And that's, that's how that awesome. happened. Yeah. Okay. That's how that happened. But, um, and I'm just waiting for my husband to come and join me, but he's still having fun. Well, I don't know yeah. about now, but he was yeah. still having fun. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's awesome. So let's talk about like what you, one of the things that you really, really, I've watched you teach people is all about closing sales and mm-hmm. how the first impression matters. Yep. And so why is it so important to make sure on the first impression that do people decide like, I, yes, I'm going to work with this person or like, I'm not sure about this person. Like why are first impressions so important? You know, and I think this is human nature because the moment you engage with someone, you know, they're judging you mm-hmm. first. And then they're judging what they're buying and then they're judging the company, right? So there, it, it, it's true. That, and, and I think we we all do it. it subconsciously, we are judging the person, whether regardless who it is. I mean, you know, we've also said, you know, talk the talk, walk the walk. You know, I know it's an old expression, but it has a current concept. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. You're at the grocery store and you notice expired dates and produce looks sparse and shriveled and and the staff is nowhere to be found. Your internal alarm should be buzzing like crazy, like get out, get out, get out. You know, it's the same concept is for your environment where you meet clients and stuff like that is they want to make sure it's clean and organized, but they're subconsciously, if they're coming into it, so that's a first impression. There's so many first impressions, not just with the person, mm-hmm. but it's with it's with everything that we do, and every and you you know they always say you can't you know change a first impression. Well, you kind of can, but it's it's much harder. But that's the obvious. It's mm-hmm. I think people need to understand that they are the brand. The person is the brand. Mm-hmm. The company will come along with it, but it's it's they're the brand that, that will 
you know, the greatest way is to articulate is your experience and your skills and your knowledge and your overall worth in today's competitive market is to create and nurture your brand, your own personal brand and how that stands out. Absolutely. And, you know, people buy from people that yep. they like and yep. that they trust. Right. And it is all about relationships, especially in emotional money spending yes. uh, uh, yeah. industry. <laughs> yep. So you learn how to make people typically like we always want to make people feel comfortable. And like my mm -hmm. mom always says, like some, she's like, Angela, you sure do talk a lot sometimes. And, and it's entertaining, <laughs> but like, I just don't understand you sometimes. And she's like, but and I mean, she's like, I think I should put this on my grave. People don't remember what you say, but they always remember how you make them feel. And, and you know what, can I interject there? Yeah. Because you do talk a lot. And I remember, I and, and no, but in, in not a bad way, because I left your session and I was like, oh my God, she's so wonderful. She's so passionate. You, It's <laughs> contagious. And oh. even if I got half of what you said, it was good. No, so I, I get that. Your mother's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but I'm like, I talk a lot because you talk a lot. <laughs> and but I've but I had to learn and I had to like hire coaches and people to help me like as a business person, like come up with this strategy and have mm -hmm. a framework. And you know, it's fun to be entertaining and like tell and share the crazy ass stories sometimes, but it's right. like I want people to walk away with something that they can actually take, take and say, yeah. like, oh my God, I learned this from this girl. And like, it's fine if they don't remember my name. I don't care. Right, right, right. I just want them to remember one thing that something happened to me that changed my trajectory and my future and my bank account and my team. And like, how can, you know, you do it too. And so my, my next question for you is like, what? So somebody that's listening and mm -hmm. they are recovering from like a not, which this is funny. So not so great impressions are, this is like me now, because especially when in 2020 happened and, um, we like literally live in our pajamas and like yoga, like I'll do zooms with yoga pants and like a right. nice shirt on or whatever. And I've got my dogs in my lap. And so, you know, I don't, uh, dress up that much anymore. I mean, I think it's just like, well, I gotta be honest with you. You don't, because whenever mm -hmm. I saw you before you were just like, like <laughs> having makeup, the hair was done. Yeah. It, and you know what I'm saying? You know what? She's beautiful either way. Aww. You know, so, but you're right about that. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I was just going to say like, sometimes it's funny to me because I'll run into people like literally, I'm in yoga pants and a GSD right. shirt. Like that's right. kind of my everyday thing. It's comfortable. Um, I, I do laundry, you know, it's clean. I take a shower, <laughs> but I don't feel the need to like dress up and put on makeup every single day anymore. Do you at least put a bra on? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Like, I don't have one on now. <laughs> right. I mean, or a sports bra. Like, I've gotten more into, like, because yeah. I'll go work out. I'll work out in the morning, and I might just stay in my sports bra all day. Right, you know, right. But it's, like, it's not about, like, always – because I do think people look at us sometimes, like, as women, and they would look at us and judge us, mm -hmm. and they would base our success off of, like, how we looked or what we wore. And, like, I, I y'all, that's I've never been that girl, ever. Mm -hmm. right. And so it's funny because if I – you know, go run into somebody somewhere and I'm not expecting to like see a client or 
prospect or anything. And they look at me and they're like, oh, this short little blonde, like what can she add? But it's so funny because recently I was taught, I ran into somebody, they're like, oh, this is Angela and blah, blah, blah. And the person was like, you know, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> and then something was wrong with their phone. And so, um, I don't remember exactly what it was like. Something was their, their iPhone was running or something. And so the girl was like, oh my God, Angela is a whiz at technology. Yeah. Like she can probably fix it. And I'm like, so what's the problem? And, you know, the, he said, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, well first, like, let's turn it off and turn it back on. And he kind of rolled his eyes at me. And then I'm like, go to your settings, check this and do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally in 60 seconds, I like fix the problem. But, I mean, I am a tech geek. And then the whole thing changed. And he's like, well, what exactly do you do? And then all of a sudden he was interested. But it's like he looked down on me because probably <laughs> I look like I just rolled out of right. bed, which I probably did. But it, it you never say like you shouldn't treat people. You shouldn't. And just like, by the way that, that is, they look. That's right. And that is the human nature. Mm -hmm. So there is, is always when you, you were going to ask me about you know, how, how to you recover. recover from it. I mean, that, that you totally recovered from it because, it, and I think that the best advice is to be totally yourself. Don't yeah. try to, you know, just be open and really transparent because mm -hmm. we're all the same and we all have these insecurities and we all have this and just be really open about it. Mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. there, yeah. so I do believe there's definitely, you know, I think there's recovering for a personal first mm -hmm. impression, but it's very difficult to do a business first impression to, yeah. to recover from because if they're experiencing bad service or experiencing that, that's more of an uphill. You can do it, but it's mm -hmm. more uphill. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's two different ways. It's like, if you plan all your meetings at a coffee shop, Mm -hmm. as, as opposed to greeting your clients on site with a glass of wine, neither is better or worse. They're just simply different approaches to the client experience. And I think we all need to evaluate what our client experience is. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, no, I, I'm just laughing. Like the other thing I was going to say, you know, as, as a person versus a business, um, this entrepreneur organization that I'm in, we had, and it was a virtual event, but they had sent out these little packages, um, from a, a new company that we were trying to support, support local. And, um, you know, nobody asked me because I'm not really in the party planning space anymore. Right, they think right. of me of more as like call Angela for technology, which is great. It's exactly what I want. But then when we send out these packages to 243 members to be exact, and then I get a package in the mail and I'm like, um, it's missing a few things. Like what mm -hmm. about the salt and what about this? And there was no recipe card or, you know, whatever. So, but, but I, I told the executive director and they like sent an email out and like recovered. And then we made it funny. It's like, haha, we can't send, you know, the alcohol and this and that. Well, I was going to go because I wanted to do a little social post on it and a shot mm -hmm. out. And so, but like, I didn't have any tequila or any of that at home. I don't really drink on a regular right. basis. And so I'm like, I, the only time I could go to the liquor store was at like nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and it was the morning that once a week I douse my hair in like coconut oil, oh, yeah. super, super greasy. And it's right. disgusting, um, but it's very healthy for my hair. And uh, so yeah. I had a shower cap on and that I throw away. <laughs> and so, and so then I put a hat on. Okay. So I like have coconut in my hair 
this uh, awful, I mean, just gross. Right. But I'm like, who the hell am I going to say nine o'clock in the morning? So I'm literally, there's like two cars in the parking lot. And so I go into the, now I know the owner because of all the events we used to do. Right. And, um, and so when I walked in, I was like, Hey Paul, how are you? And he, he just looked at me like, <laughs> who the hell are you? Like you, I, I kind of did look like a homeless person. And so, um, like I went and I got what I needed and I went to check out and, um, he just kind of looked at me really funny and he's like, did you find everything that you need? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I, I did. And he, he like hesitated to like, tell me the price as I pulled out my credit card. Cause I know I was getting some like very, very expensive tequila on purpose because right. I like Azul and I'm a right. snot. And if I'm going to drink it, it's going to be good. Right. And so, um, I'm like, you, I says, I was like, you didn't think you'd be seeing me in a liquor store at nine o'clock in the morning. And he goes, Oh my God, Angela. And I, I was like, yeah, it's me. And he's like, I knew you from your voice because I listened to your podcast. So and he's funny. like, do you have on a shower cap? I'm like, I do, Paul. I'm like, listen, I got coconut all in my hair. And he's like, I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm like, I know what you were thinking. Like there was some homeless girl coming in to like get some tequila. And then I, so, I check out with like the most expensive tequila. I get it. It's funny. But he's like, oh my God, I recognized your voice. And he's like, I haven't seen you in years. And, you know, then we laughed about it. But it's almost, again, like that's another story where it's, I mean, I was kind of embarrassed. I don't think I'll go out with a shower cap anymore. But oh, I, wish, I have this great visual of you doing that though. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like, if you can, again, he, he was kind of judging me, but then it's like, he knew he's like, Oh my God, I just listened to your podcast all about finances and blah, blah, blah. And then the doctor in scrubs behind me, who was also like looking me up and down, like, what is this <laughs> thinking? But you never, but my thing is like, always try to add value right. and be nice to people. Like That's just right. even though they may treat you wrong, like just be nice to people. Yeah. And like, make it right. Yeah. And so like, that's my whole big thing is if something goes wrong or something goes bad and you need to recover from it, like you don't need to like waddle in sorrow and pain, like say you're sorry, try to make it right and see mm-hmm. what you can do to make it better. And people are still going to be assholes and they're insatiable and you cannot make everybody happy. That's right. So you know, when, when, when people ask me like, Oh my God, how do I get over this? And I'm like, you learned something from it. Right. Right. So you can always learn from it and move on, but like shit ain't ever going to be perfect. People's like, get over yourself, like get over yourself. That's So So how can someone make sure they are absolutely unforgettable after someone meets them from like the very first time? You know, it, it's, it's kind of hard. It, it, no, it's not really hard. You just have to gain the client's trust. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. And gaining the trust is you have to know who you are and you have to, because a client can certainly tell if you are nervous or you're being misleading, or if you're, you, mm-hmm. you just have to be yourself. I and mean, people like to work with people they trust, right? I mean, yep. you, you gain trust by showing genuine interest in them and building a rapport. You know, I think too often in our businesses that we, we think that we know what the client wants because we do our jobs and we do it well. And if you're having a wedding, we know that you're going to have this and this and this and this and, you know, whatnot, and it may change somewhat, but are we really speaking 
and really building a rapport to the client because everybody's needs are different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's important to have these conversations and it's all about the relationship as it's all about the relationship in everything that we do not just sales or business. I mean, everyday life is, is about a relationship and Mm -hmm. our clients need to trust us and, and, and trust that we will fulfill their needs and you need to be friendly. And, you know, and I'm not talking about like punching the client playfully or stroking their hair. Right. (laughs) I'm talking about like just creating, (laughs) right. Creating a real rapport and understanding them and remembering, you know, your research and becoming a reflection of what they desire, you know, it's something like that. But, but I think though, an easy tip, I think is it's, it's a little exercise that I I like to tell it's what their personal brand statement is. So if, if I was to say to you, okay, Angela, your brand statement is, I want you to answer this. I am a blank who blanks for blank, right? Okay, so I am a GSD leader who gets shit done so people can, so I can be present. Is, did I? Okay, oh my God, you did it perfectly. Uh, (laughs) You did it perfectly because number one, all right, I'm going to first tell you what most people say. I'm an event planner who works with weddings um, for such and such a company. Okay. And I say, no, 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 that's what you do. Mm-hmm. That's not what, who you are. Now, what you said, I right off loved you from the beginning because <laughs> I get shit done. Yes. Right. So that to me, and what was your last thing that you said? Because I got excited about it. So, well, my thing is like, people are like, why are you so psycho about like GSD and get shit done? And I'm like, when I get shit done, I can be present uh-huh. in my everyday life. And so when I, like when I'm doing podcast, I'm 100% here. Right. And then when I'm with my family and my sister's kids and I'm doing aunt stuff and gymnastic stuff, it's like, I don't worry about my phone. Yep. Like I am not worried about answering clients' emails and answering text message. And because we really try to schedule the business out. And so right. that to me is calendar blocking, time blocking, potty training your clients, like how valuable the time is together. And so when people are like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, it's GST gets shit done. But the payoff is so you can be present and like enjoy your life and not worry about all the distractions when you're doing something that is on your calendar time that you have taken and chosen to do something with that time. So that is the payoff, right? That's right. Oh my God, I did it right. Yay. You did, totally <laughs> did it right. I mean, you saved you saved 15 minutes off the podcast. <laughs> I think that, that we have to know who we are. We have to know what our skill set is, what we can offer a client and that nobody else can. Um, I think that we need to step back and think of all these things that you're good at. And and what you and that is not just what you do for a living. There's certain things that everybody is really good at. And then we've got to portray that out because once you identify your strengths and your weaknesses, because we all have those two, you can work on the areas that, that you need to improve. So I'm all about, like everybody says like these first impressions and, and, and they think it's just, how do I look? How do I talk? You know, that's important too, Mm -hmm. but that first impression, that's what that is. But first impressions go into second and third and fourth. And this is the personal brand statement. 
um, and not just for the business. The business has its own identity. So you have a brand for the company, which is the personality of the company and the brand for the individual, which is the personality of that individual. And they, they're not always necessarily the same. Yeah, that's so true. Well, and also too, I think that as a teenager, like my, I saw my dad work for the same company forever. And when he retired, I realized like, oh my God, that was your identity. Like, yeah. And, That's and, who you were. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like, our generation's not like that, or the, this, especially no. this, this new generation coming in is not like that, which I love. Uh-huh. I it's think you're so absolutely different. right about the, the father, because I think, and I think these millennials Mm-hmm. I have got it right. Everybody says, um, oh, you can't get a bit work. Da, 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 da. You know? That's not true. <laughs> it's not true. And I think what they have that, that my generation did not have, because I think these millennials looked at my generation and um, like, just like your father, that was his identity. He went to work, mm-hmm. you stayed at the same company. He did the same basic thing, you know, that, that, and they, and the kids saw how hard, you saw how hard your father worked. And that was his yeah. identity. And I think the millennials are saying, yeah, that's not happening in my life. I no. want more balance. Yep. I want more um, family life. I want more me time. And I think mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And I love seeing how these companies have shifted, like Google mm-hmm. and yeah, all these, these companies have totally shifted with giving people more personal time, work from home time. I and mean, this is prior to COVID. Yeah. And I think that the, the companies have listened to the millennials. And I think that, you know, I, you know, United States and Japan are the only ones who are like are workaholics. Everybody mm-hmm. else, like you go to Europe. I couldn't believe it. I was like traveling in Europe and, and every place was closed at lunchtime. Yep. And I was like, well, you know, that's why I want to shop. Well, no, they're, they're on break. I mean, they, they take these lunch like hours uh-huh. and, um, uh-huh. and I said, boy, that, you know, they have something there. They, you know, if you want something from me, you will do it when I'm available. Yep. And did I go back to that store? Yes, I did. Yep. <laughs> we, they they still don't lose the business. No, they don't. So I it's, think that we could take a lot of uh, good things from them. Yep. It's still going to be there. And that's another thing that I learned really the hard way from a coach who said, you don't understand, like when you start to put boundaries and parameters around your time and forcing people to think, to be thoughtful, mm-hmm. that you know, some people say like time is money. When my dad was sick, he's like, time is precious. Like you can always work more, you can make more money, but I'm not going to be here forever. So put your GD phone down when we're at dinner. Like that, that's the way, you know, and and sometimes I would listen, but I still wasn't there. Like I was still thinking about what I needed to be doing because I didn't know how to turn it off. Right. But then you lose somebody you love and you're like, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, like that's when shit starts to become real. Yeah. And so I tell people like, don't wait for a tragedy to like be proactive and like learn these tactics. And so true, you know, but right before my father, um, he was never sick, but he died. Yeah. But um, I'm sorry that that came out weird. Yeah. But anyway, no, I, I know. Three <laughs> weeks before he died, he had called mm-hmm. me up and he kept calling me and calling me. And I finally answered the phone. I was like, Dad, I'm really busy. What mm-hmm. do you want? Mm-hmm. And he said, I just want you to know that there's more life out there than work. Mm-hmm. 
I want you to, I want you to take cruises. I want you to do this. And he was going through this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. And then weeks later he died in his sleep. It's almost like he knew because he had this a conversation with each of my sisters, different, mm-hmm. but a conversation that was this kind of life altering type thing. Mm-hmm. And it it's like, geez, I wish I heard that before, yeah. you know, because, but would have made any difference. I don't know. At the, I mean, it certainly made a difference after after he died, and that's yeah. a, it was a big deal. So you're right about those things, and I think that's yeah. all. And I know this is about first impressions and stuff like that, but I think if we know ourselves, we're going to give a good first impression. Right. We just yeah. are. Yeah. So I want to ask you too, like some people, you know, they're like, "Oh, I'm not in sales." I used to be that girl. I'm not in sales, and now it's like. Hell yeah, I'm in sales. Yeah, you are. Everybody. Hell yeah, I convert. And yes, like, but when you're passionate, but also there's this, this word persuasion that some people could say is manipulative. However, how do you think persuasion plays into first impressions and how can people like be aware of it and practice it more? Well, it's actually really, really simple because you're right. I don't like the way persuasion too, because it sounds like you're, you're trying to get, it sounds car salesman, doesn't it? Right. Um, and it's not at all. It's not, <laughs> in it's my not. Head. But in my mind of persuasion is always just assuming that you have the job. Mm-hmm. If you go into a meeting with a client and you're, you're not saying if, or if you book, or if you do this, it's just like, it's when it's, we, we'll have this here and then we can do this. And it's putting your, inserting yourself into the event or whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, that's just human nature because, or, you know, here, here's a perfect example of a good persuasion. The, um, I have a list of different qualifying questions that I, we give to our social clients Mm -hmm. and everybody says to me, well, what do you say for the, the corporate client? And I said, oh my gosh, you never ask those qualifying questions for the social client that you would, you don't ask those to the corporate client or they'll just hang up on you. And Mm -hmm. they said, what do you ask them? And I say, I asked them two questions. And so a corporate um, event planner calls up and she'll say, you know, we're having an open house for a hundred people. And then my first reaction was um, great. Have you planned this event before? Mm -hmm. So then she will say either, yeah, I, you know, I could do this in my sleep. I've been doing this same event for 10 years or, and then that, if if she says that to me, then I know I'm dealing with a seasoned event planner. Mm -hmm. Right. So then I'm going to, to say, after I get that information, I'm going to say, okay, great. What role would you like me to take in this process? Mm-hmm. And they usually say, what do you mean? Well, we can order your rentals. We can do your, your design. We can um, do the ballet. We can do the musicians. Da, 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 da. Oh, okay, great. Why don't you do the rentals? I'll take care of the musicians. Yeah. Do book the ballet for me. Mm-hmm. You, do you see what's happening here? I've got the job. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? So yep. it's, it's just by that's persuasion. It's mm-hmm. not anything tricky. It's just, I'm not, I I'm saying, and, and the other thing is I did some major upsells because if I didn't say what role would you like me to take? She wouldn't know exactly what we can do. Exactly. And I think that is the big persuasion here. 
Yes. And, and so it's really not rocket science. And everybody says, you know, how can I be, you know, I think people stress too much on, on sales uh, because when I, I, um, I spoke at TSE um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago and in the, the group of people, it had to be, I don't know, um, I don't remember, maybe 300 attendees. Yeah. And then I asked them to raise your hand if um, there are any salespeople in the audience. And maybe 25 people raised their hands. And then I asked them. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Have you ever tried to persuade or convince or influence someone? You know, everyone is selling something, right? Yeah. And and that's just like, you, you know, if you're a mother- and, um, you know, you're trying to get your kid into pre-K, that's selling and that's persuading. I mean, we're all selling. You're selling yourself on a first date, you totally. know, right? I mean, so we're all in sales. It's just just because they're not actually talking directly to the client. We're all still in sales. Everybody mm-hmm. is selling something. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because I am so into Apple products Mm. for the outcome, which is it helps me be way more productive as a creative. And so many people, when I'm just very passionate about my Apple products, we Mm -hmm. only teach on Apple products, not that I can't do PC. I mean, I did PC for years. years in EMR. Well, I'm, a, I'm an Apple girl too. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, like when you make that change, it's like dry, it's like literally riding a bike and oh, like yeah. taking the train and well, it's totally different. Yep. But this lady that I was talking to and most of our clients, they're over 55. They know they need to change. They have all, they have the iPhone, they have the iPad they, and they have a PC. Mm-hmm. And most of them, they just don't know because no one has ever shown them or explained mm-hmm. to them the whole reason of why Apple products are created for creatives. Right. And so she was um, interviewing me for something and to do like a productivity day for her team. And she's like, well, all the young ones, like they all have this Apple stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I'm like, and she goes, you know, they're just constantly on that tech that, that, and I'm like, but you have to have a strategy. They know how to play on the phone. They don't know how to make money on the phone. You still have to teach them as a leader. And then I said something and she's like, why do Mac people say that? Why do they say, in fact, I did a few videos about it just yesterday about why do they say they need to look at another desktop? Like, what does that mean? I'm going to show you because we were on Zoom. And so, you know, I did my four fingers up and she was like, oh my God, you mean I can have all the, and I was like, yep. And you can have all these different desktops. And this is like my podcast days. So I'm going to talk to 10 people. I have 10 desktops. Every desktop has the person's picture. It has their, all their profile stuff, like every desktop. And so for me, it's a productivity thing. Sure, It's not that I'm a cool Apple girl in the cult of Apple. Right. Like, and no, Apple doesn't pay me. They don't sponsor people. Like it doesn't work like that. It, right. I love the products because of the tools that it allows me to help so many people. Mm -hmm. And so after the call, she's like, I guess I just need to go get a Mac right before like doing this whole (laughs) session. I'm like, yeah, you'd be a bit more. Yeah. You know, but it's like, I'm persuading them to go Apple because I'm showing them the benefits that PCs just weren't built to do. No, they weren't. They weren't. That's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but Every day, someone's like, are you trying to persuade me to get an Apple product? I'm like, yes, I am, because it'll change your life. That's right. I, because it changed mine. <laughs> so I'm like, take it or leave it. I don't care. But, you yeah. know, 
really, really good for you. Yeah. I mean, it's so that's just a form of persuasion. It's like, I don't care. Like, you're probably going to hire me regardless because your team needs the help. That's right. You're not, you're going to get more out of it if you actually have the tools that we have data around that it it works for creatives. It just works. Um, So what, what part of, um, well, before we, before I go into my next question, I do want to bring something up about like data. So before we were recording, we were chatting Mm -hmm. just about the events industry, which you know, I feel like now Marilyn and I, we're very much focused on some other things. However, our, my client base and my bread and butter are still creatives and mm-hmm. it's still my heart and soul is still in hospitality. And so you were sharing with me a study on how many people in the event community and catering community and hospitality community like, will you share with how many people took your survey yeah. and then uh, what the results were? Yeah, I sure, I sure will. This was, I, I called it the state of the event industry. And I ran it um, the end of August to September something. It was a two week, two weeks. And I just put it out on social media and into a lot of different groups, but I, that's all I did. And I was shocked to get 3147, so 3,147 responses. That's a lot of people. It was a lot of people um, in our industry. And the people that um, uh, uh, replied were the venues, hotels, DMCs, meeting planners, wedding planners, event producers, caterers, college campuses, um, designer, florist, and lighting. Rental companies, photographer, videographer, musicians, performers, tech support, um, freelance independence, uh, suppliers, industry associations, and mm-hmm. then some other people, um, maybe there's like 50 other people that did not really fit into a category. But anyway, mm-hmm. so there, this was a great representation of our industry. Yeah. And out of it, um, I asked them if they were an owner or an employee, and 60% of them were owners, and the rest mm-hmm. um, were some, um, there was a small percentage were gig workers, and the rest were employees. And the average business, I asked, how many years um, has your company been in business? And over 30% was 21 to 40 years. So that's, that's a good bit. Yeah. And uh, actually, Twelve uh, percent was over forty-one years. That's a you know. So a we've lot. been in business, yeah. So then I asked them, "Are they? Uh, are you currently working full time? Working part time? Laid off? So furloughed? So unfortunately, at this time, thirty-eight um, percent were laid off. Twenty percent were furloughed. Nineteen percent were terminated. Three um, percent um, were working full time." And 20% were working part-time. So that to me was looking pretty grim at this, in this time in August, because Mm -hmm. I think at that time we were all thinking that, you know, when we were in March, I mean, we were thinking, okay, a couple months this will be, but no, here we are in September when wedding season's happening and we're all sitting here. So this was, that was a little bit grim. Um, Is there... The next question I ask is the business currently operating 100%, 50%, less than 25% or closed? So 68% was operating less than 25% and almost 30% was closed. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, approximately yeah. what percentage drop in venue, uh, revenue for the last five months? Mm-hmm. I, I put 100% was at uh, almost 40%, and 75 to 90% was almost at 50%. Mm-hmm. And really, in the comments of that, they were saying we're 95%, 92%. I mean, you know, so it was a much higher percentage. Mm-hmm. But what I, but the reason I want you guys to hear this is because a lot of people are closing. They're closing. Mm-hmm. The way I looked at it is closing a chapter, taking all that you've learned and all those years of working your ass off right. in the hospitality industry right. to make other people happy. Right. You know, that's what this is. Right. So what can you do to take all that you've learned do something else, reinvent yourself, start mm-hmm. a new business. But what can you do to draw from that so that when you move forward into something else, that you can still make that first good impression by sharing something positive that came out of some, when people say like 2020 was horrible, it's such a bad thing. Right, right. And so it's a way for us to reframe, take some time, really think about, you know, I have friends, they're like, you know what, after after thinking about this, like this, the money's great. This is, it doesn't make me happy. Like I'm Mm -hmm. miserable, really trying to meet people's needs when they're being unreasonable, which this is what Pinterest brought our industry. Thank you so much. (laughs) I mean, there's some great things, but you know, like what is what's real and what is a photo shoot and it's just some of it is not practical. And then then it opened up this whole DIY thing, which, hey, that's fine for some people. But guess what? For, as a planner back then, it's like translation. This shit's going to fall on my shoulders. Right, right. And we're going to have to charge you double because I'm going to have to get five more people at the last minute because you can't finish it and you're pissed off. And so then we just made a decision. We're never, if anybody says in the first five seconds of us saying, well, what are you looking for? And they said the DIY word, nope, it, it, yeah. it's like, we can't even talk to you. And so, because we knew the outcome and the outcome was not good. So I think this gives us a really good insight to, cause we, we know we're all thinking it, like what's happening with other businesses? What are people doing? And then my mom's like, but it's just terrible. It's so sad that people are closing. I'm like, why we close, we've closed our doors to things mm-hmm. before by choice yeah, so that we could focus on doing some, some more impactful work where we can take the skills and take everything that we've learned over the past 20 years and do something with it to impact other business owners. Like what's wrong with that? Yeah. And so I want you to think, so if you're listening to this and you are one of those people that have been in business 20, 30 years, and you're wondering, or even if you're trying to hold on and you're like, I don't know if I can hold on, think about, does it make you happy? Mm -hmm. And are you good at something else? Like you mentioned earlier, can you showcase your talents in another way? And if you can start thinking about how can you make a good first impression by doing something else that can still help people because you're, you, you're still able to listen, if you worked in hospitality and you can make people happy, you can solve a lot yeah, of people's problems right. out there. That's right. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, and I think that, that we're seeing, I can see it on Facebook too. And I'll talk to some of my clients that, that I think when this was happening in August, September, 
this this really when this the survey was done, people were still in shock. But mm-hmm. now, after talking to people, it's like you know what. I'm, I'm glad this happened because now I'm a realtor. I'm loving what I'm yeah. doing. Or now I'm doing this and I've always wanted to do this or I wanted to retire. I just didn't know how, and this was great. <laughs> or, you know, um, <laughs> so I think that uh, it, it, there was uh, so many silver linings from this. And I think also a lot of our industry people may have gotten out of what they were doing then but Mm -hmm. stayed in the industry doing something else. Mm -hmm. And which was um, very, very interesting. I mean, I know some people are writing now books about the industry, which will be wonderful, you know, and and it will help, you know, the the do's and don'ts. And so there's a lot of good silver lining that is coming from this. And and I I truly believe that our industry will be back. Totally. Absolutely. You know, there's no doubt about it. I mean, especially in weddings. You think these brides aren't going to have a wedding? <laughs> uh, think again, because guess what? I learned this in my first recession. I don't know. Back in that way, we were recession proof. Weddings yeah, well, yeah. People Somewhat. are always going to fall in love. Yeah. And they're always going to die. So mm-hmm. celebration of life, funerals, weddings, like right. they may get smaller. They may not spend as much money and less people may come. But what we have found is that People that even if they're going to have 40 or 50 people for a really nice dinner, they, they, instead of spending $250 a head, they're like spending six and 700 a head because they want it in in the little details of every single itty bitty little thing that you could think of to make it this amazing over the top dinner. People are doing it now with the details. And so that's where I'm like, if you are still in the game, You've got to put your face, you've got to put your brand, you've got to put your company, you've got to put your message out on social media to let people know, hey, I'm open. Hey, I'm available. I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm not going under. And and if you you do want to close up, that's fine. But tell somebody, like even my cousin got married and she still got married in October in the middle of a pandemic in Oxford. It looked a little bit different than what she was thinking. Right. But her planner, it was so crazy because her planner... I walked in and it was a younger girl. And she's like, are you Angela Prophet? I'm like, yes, this is weird. I'm like, hi, are you Crystal's planner? She's like, oh my God, I used to work in Nashville. And she like worked for, (laughs) for, um, as I guess she saw it as a competitive company. Uh, I never see, I don't see it that way at all. We we do things very differently. And I'm like, I didn't know that you were my cousin's planner. And she goes, oh, I wasn't. There was, um, an older lady who, who had been doing it for 30 years and, when COVID hit, she, it was her way of retiring. She's like, I've got, I got like yeah. 30 weddings from her. She, she's like, I took literally took her book of business and she had just started her, a brand new business, but she learned everything in Nashville and she moved home was Oxford. So she moved back. It was just, her story was so cool. But and I'm like, the silver lining on both. Ends. Yes. It gave totally. the opportunity for somebody to say, okay, I'm retiring. And then the opportunity for somebody to pick up those 30 events and yep. build her career. So I, I do believe there there's these silver linings. And yep. I think sometimes it's hard for people to see it until they look at it, look back on it. Yep. It's, it's so true. Yeah. Well, I could Definitely. keep talking to you. Forever. I know I could talk to you forever, <laughs> but I do want to end on one thing because as a yes. creative, 
there are are many factors that keep our businesses afloat, right? I mean, there's Mm -hmm. our products and services and your social media profiles, your website, your your team, you know, so on, so on. But each of these contributes to the success or the failure of your company, right? Mm -hmm. However, if you take a step back, you'll see that there's one thing that encompasses all of these factors. It's you. It's your brand. Your brand is what brings together all these pieces in your business plan and creates a cohesive and and consistent experience for your your clients. Absolutely. So yeah, so when all things come together, you're left with a brand that is uniquely yours. Yep. And one that sets you apart from your competitors. And that's that's what we want. Yep. This is awesome. Hmm. I know you guys got lots of nuggets. What is the best way for people to connect with you, Meryl, if they want oh, to connect? Oh. So I'm thinking, I I think Instagram is the best. Well, first of all, I you can certainly email me, Meryl at MerylSnow.com. Yeah. But Instagram, I'm going to be, I, I learned something from you, um, Angela. About, I love your, like, your stories and stuff like that. Thank so you. I think that, and my Instagram needs to be built up. So so I decided I was going to do this book giveaway because I have three books out and sales you books. Do. And yes, I yes. do. So um, I thought, let's do a book giveaway if they follow me because I'm thinking, you know, 3,000, I only have 3,000 followers. And I'm like, that's not enough. I want more. Yeah. So I, I, I want to get my message out. So follow me on Instagram and I'm giving these books away. And then nice. of course, um, Facebook, you know, whatnot. But I want to know if you have any sales questions at all. Email me. I I could talk sales all day and I'm not going to charge you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's just, we've got to get, we've, I, I want to help people and um, we could do this. And get your message out there. Yes. Well, so we'll put it in the show notes. Be sure to go follow Meryl Snow on her Instagram. And like she said, and also too, like y'all ask the questions on Instagram publicly so that Meryl can actually answer your question. Yeah, because it helps so many other people. And it's funny because some people that ask me questions, they're like, are you going to put my question on social media? And I'm like, well, why, why not? Why like, not? It helps. Everybody else is thinking it too. And, but if you want to remain anonymous, like I don't have to say who asked me that, like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, and so some people it's just like, I'm not going to say, I'll say somebody it's, it's, it doesn't matter who asked it. That's the right. Thing. Right. It matters that you're helping. You got to get rid of like you and what you sound like and what you're thinking, because exactly. if you're thinking it, somebody a thousand else. other people that's, are thinking that's right. it. That's so right. make sure you ask your questions. And you know, sometimes we all have some private things that we don't want to put on social media. Uh-huh. I get it. So that's what the email is for. So, you know, just think about how many people you can help when you're asking something for yourself and how Meryl can help a lot of people in that's sales. Great. That's great. And that's we'll great. also link your books too. So okay. I see all of those. Um as well on your, on, on some of your profiles, if you Google yeah. your name, like all your books come up. So yeah, we'll put that in the show notes too. Good. Thank you. Yay. And everybody listening. Thank you so much for your time today and be sure to tune in next week to another episode of business unveiled. Y'all have thank a great you. Day. Thank you, Angela. Of course. Bye. That's it for this week's episode of business unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? 
One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at AngelaProfit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.